Welcome to Safety Net, a patient safety podcast with news, trends, and ideas from CRICO, the insurance program for all of the Harvard Medical Institutions and their affiliates, bringing a data-driven approach to reducing medical error through clinical analysis of malpractice claims. I'm Tom Agello, and today we're talking about sepsis in the hospital and why the diagnosis is late sometimes. My guest is Dr. Michael Philbin, a researcher and emergency medicine doctor at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Dr. Philbin, thank you for joining us. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. You've done uh, a lot of research into sepsis, some of it funded through Harvard's malpractice and patient safety company, Crico. Can you give us a little context for the concerns medicine has about sepsis care? Yeah, so the the major concern is that sepsis is really common and it's really deadly. Uh, it, it accounts for 5% of the patients we admit to the hospital and a third of uh, hospital deaths. Um, so one of the major problems, especially for us in the emergency department, is it's often difficult to detect. And I think as a result, it's the source of you know a lot of malpractice claims. We're looking at sepsis in the emergency department and how we can get better at diagnosing and treating it on time. What are the challenges that are unique to emergency departments when it comes to sepsis? So the challenges of sepsis in the emergency department are really a combination of factors. So number one, about 80% of sepsis cases have their first contact with the healthcare system in the emergency department. So the burden is really on us to make the diagnosis. Number two, it's often a hard diagnosis to make because sepsis is a syndrome. So it's a combination of factors that make up the diagnosis, namely the presence of an infection that leads to organ dysfunction. And it turns out that the presence of infection or organ dysfunction can initially be subtle or non-existent. So a lot of patients that are infected doesn't lead to organ dysfunction and a lot of patients with organ dysfunction that that don't have infection. So number three and somewhat related, you know, we see a lot of patients who could have sepsis, but they ultimately don't. So our work has shown that uh, it's actually about a seven to one ratio. So for every seven patients who could have sepsis, there's really only one patient that actually has it. So it's a little bit like finding a needle in a haystack. Right. What do we do with the finding that many times these patients present with symptoms that are vague? Part of your research has shown the characteristics that go along with delays in diagnosis when symptoms are not clear-cut. Right. So basically, our research found that vague symptoms are a killer. So we specifically focused one of our studies on presenting symptoms of the septic patient and astoundingly, we found that 37% of patients we admit to the ICU with sepsis uh, have symptoms initially that wouldn't even point uh, us to infection. So no fevers, no, no chills, or anything you know, other that would point us to the fact that the patient even had an infection. Uh, so these patients presented with confusion, weakness, malaise, shortness of breath, you know, symptoms we would consider as vague. Um, and the patients that presented with vague symptoms had really a much higher mortality than the patients that presented with obvious infections of 34% versus 16%. Uh, And in fact, uh, when we looked at all other factors that contribute to mortality, the vague symptoms were actually the strongest predictor. And this is the first time this has been, you know, reported in the literature. Wow. Um, 
<laughs> and, in, and in one of your studies, you used a, a sepsis protocol that aimed for a really, a really aggressive standard for antibiotic treatment within an hour of triage. And, and you concluded that that was too ambitious. Why? Well, okay, so we totally advocate for the rapid treatment of sepsis, and within an hour of triage is great. But our point, though, is that uh, this is not a practical standard to hold emergency physicians to and, and, and to make part of a national metric, which is really what the recent Surviving Sepsis Campaign Guidelines updates are recommending. So our study actually showed that only 15% of the septic patients present at triage with explicit symptoms of, of infection along with low blood pressure. So we'd really have to give antibiotics to everybody directly from triage who had any possibility of infection or organ dysfunction, which, like I said before, is about you know, seven patients for every one patient that's actually septic. And you can kind of you know, make the argument that's you know, unacceptable and unrealistic and would promote you know, overuse of antibiotics. Right. And, and one of your studies looked at a couple of different diagnostic tools. Um, some seem to work better than others. And based on all of this research you've done, what do you think can really make a difference faster in terms of a hospital reducing its undiagnosed sepsis rate? What do you think is the sort of the best combination of protocols and tools more from a practical perspective? Right. So I'm going to give you the cop-out answer and, and <laughs> say it's a combination of interventions, um, you know, and, you know, we've kind of shown this, you know, this combination you know, wrapped in a well-organized QA package that has strong support from local leadership. We've taken the lessons we learned from our research and incorporated them into EPIC-based tools that have been implemented partners-wide with collaborators from around the enterprise, um, really, and the purpose of these tools is to assist clinicians with the challenges of, of timely sepsis care. So a few highlights um, that were a direct product of our research. So number one, automated early warning alerts based on our derived criteria. Uh, number two, reporting tools that give us access to large amounts of clinical data on sepsis patients, which in turn allows us to provide direct feedback to clinicians you know, on the patients they cared for. Number three, kind of tested mechanisms for providing that feedback and number four, mechanisms within EPIC to flag patients that are at risk for sepsis, kind of as a way to open communication to the entire care team. Yeah. And what, what are some other important uh, factors that you think are associated with delays in antibiotics uh, that could actually inform best screening practices? Yeah. So we did an analysis, and, you know, and, and we had uh, – two years worth of data on our sepsis patients. And we, we looked at the factors that were associated with antibiotic delays. And, and like I said, vague symptoms was at the top of the list. Number three was actually the decision that the triage nurse makes of where to triage the patient. So either you know to our acute area, which is the area with the highest resources, or to non-acute areas. And it turns out that a quarter of our septic shock patients that they went to the ICU were initially being triaged to these non-acute areas. You know, initially didn't look infected or sick. So, as a result of this finding, you know, we developed a nursing triage tool to help identify patients at risk for sepsis 
right from the start. So they're the tools based on our identification criteria, you know, which focuses on having a broad suspicion for you know possible infection. It's also based on having a sepsis risk factor, so elderly, chronically ill patients are more frequently septic, and then having abnormal triage vital signs, which are actually automatically populated into the tool. It triggers to the nurse or the patient's at risk and allows them to you know, triage the patient to the appropriate area, set the sepsis flag, and kind of initiate you know, a coordinated sepsis response. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael Philbin, a sepsis researcher and emergency medicine doctor at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. I'm Tom Ajello. Thank you for listening to Safety Net, a podcast of news, trends, and ideas from CRICO, the insurance program for all of the Harvard Medical Institutions and their affiliates, bringing a data-driven approach to reducing medical error through clinical analysis of malpractice claims. Mm-hmm.